Hi, I'm Kayla. And I'm Alicia, Kayla's mom, and you're listening to True Crime Exposed. episode is a harrowing one. It's a case of a Native American woman out of Yakima County, and her case is not standalone. Yes, her story is her own, but she's right there along many other Indigenous women and people going missing and being murdered. It's an epidemic that's happening nationwide as well as in Canada and Alaska. Yes, that is in our nation, but it's far away, so often we forget about it. Being a Native American woman can be scary because the statistics for them going missing or being murdered are extremely high, oftentimes 10 times the national average. And today's case will give you a glimpse into how devastating this can be for a family and how even with so much information, some of these cases just don't get the care they need to be solved, to have justice. With that, are you ready for today's case? So Rosenda Sophia Strong was 31 years old in 2018 when she was staying at one of her siblings' home over in Wapato, Washington. And the sister is Sissy Strong Reyes, who was born and raised there in Wapato. Sissy and Rosenda were a part of a loving family, a family that always had each other's backs and kept an eye out for one another. And Sissy, she had a couple sons herself, and then Rosenda, she had four kids of her own. Two sons and two daughters that she always taught to love and embrace their native background. You see, Rosenda and her siblings are citizens of the Confederate tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation, and they're descendants of the Yakima Nation. The Umatilla Indian Reservation is located in the state of Oregon, while Yakima Nation is in the state of Washington. And this is nearby where Rosenda was staying with Sissy. Rosenda's older sister didn't mind her staying there in her home. She loved having her close by as she was Sissy's only little sister. So this is more than just a visit? Yes. Like she's not just staying there. I think she's kind of living there at this time. Yes. And their entire childhood was filled with good memories of Rosenda following Sissy around, always trying to be a part of what her older sister was doing. Rosenda also loved being outdoors and enjoying the nature around her, from catching tadpoles in a nearby water ditch to foraging her own trails outside and just exploring. Rosenda was a mama's girl who looked up to her mom, Estelle L. Strong. Now, although they had a loving family, they did also grow up in a home where they saw the use of alcohol and drugs. There was unfortunately violence that they were exposed to. Sissy explains this when talking with Agnes Woodward of Seeding Sovereignty, which you can find the interview on YouTube. And I will link it in our show notes because honestly, it was like the best source of information I was able to find on this case. There were lots of articles, but they had little to no details about Rosenda and who she was and her life and even the case. So most of the information I have on Rosenda's background comes from Agnes's interview. So So do you know how many years apart these sisters are? Yes, I think they're about four years apart if I'm doing the math right. Okay. So she's quite a bit younger and then they also have a brother named Christopher so there's a story I tell and like Christopher's 12 at that time Sissy's 10 and Rosenda's 6 so it seems like Sissy and Christopher are closer in age Rosenda's a little younger being four years younger so with that interview that Sissy did with Agnes just like I said you got it I got to give credit where credit's due. So, and she did a really good job on that. And in it, Sissy says, although they had to see this, the siblings knew they had each other's backs and that made them feel safe. So Sissy and Rosenda's brother, Christopher Strong, he was their protector. And while their mom struggled, they did struggle right along with her. Estelle always told her children that 
family is everything. And Sissy took that to heart, making sure to always carry herself in a respectful way and look out for her sister. Now, when Rosenda was six years old, she was actually taken from her family. Child Protective Services did get involved, but Sissy, who's 10 at the time, like I just said, and Christopher, who's 12 at that time, they were left living with their mom. Now, the way Rosenda was taken is actually kind of sickening, and even if she needed to be taken from the home for safety, like, okay, but the trauma of how it was done just doesn't feel okay to me. So the day... So is the in the family, is there a dad? They didn't say anything about the dad. I didn't find any information on the dad. I had found, like, her <coughs> mom's name. And then when I watched this interview, Sissy never mentions their dad. Now, they have two different dads. So, Sissy and Christopher, it seems, have the same dad. And then Rosenda has a different dad. And he has kids that, like, outside of Christopher and Sissy that aren't related to them. That okay. are, like, Rosenda's half siblings on her dad's side so i think they you know she somewhat knew him but it doesn't sound like he was super close so you said they grew up with violence and alcoholism in their family this is mean their mom she didn't really specify (laughs) it sounds like she was really close with her mom she says rosenda's really close with her mom but i'm assuming probably yeah or maybe like people they had around i know at one point they were living like with their mom's sister too like the mom lived with the sister and so I don't know it could have just been different people in their family if it was the mom if it was people maybe she had around they didn't specify but she just did say they grew up seeing this and they lived on the reservation they lived here in Wapato I believe and I'm going to explain the geography because it's a slightly confusing so I don't know yeah, if I don't that's know that quite area. on the reservation or quite not but I looked into it and I'll kind of explain it so that you can kind of get a picture of where all these areas are now when she's taken so the day she was taken the family doesn't even know that she's taken so Estelle her mom Christopher and Sissy start to look for her. They're wondering where she was. Maybe she's down at that ditch that she loved. Maybe she was running around those trails outside. But as they're looking for their youngest sister, a neighbor approaches their mom, telling her that a car had pulled up and taken her daughter. The neighbor didn't recognize who these people were. She only saw that there was one white woman and one white man. And Estelle was obviously in a panic, so she calls the cops to report that someone had taken her daughter right off the street. And it's during this call that she's told this was actually Child Protective Services. So that panic, it doesn't go away. It just sort of shifts into this whole new panic and confusion. She has her two other children at home. They didn't take them. She explains that she's just at work and like, how could this be happening? So what year was this in? This, let's see. So she's six years old here Rosenda was actually born in 1987, if I'm remembering that correctly. So, so in the 90s. 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I was... I was going to say that does not happen now because they really work with the families. I mean, yeah. you have a heads up. I was kind of thinking like, okay, like the system's not perfect now. Although I would hi- very much assume that this wouldn't happen like you said. So I don't know if it's like a thing in the 90s where, you know, if the system's not perfect now, I'm sure it wasn't perfect then even more so. So maybe stuff like this did happen more often. Maybe it has to do with them being on the reservation. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I don't think if you are on a reservation that Child Protective Services can go on there. Can they? Well, I don't think they so. Did. I don't think... There's, like, jurisdiction that's, like, the tribes that kind of run the Mm -hmm. show. So, I do know, like, I read through here that, like, the FBI has, they share jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if somehow, like, maybe Child Protective Services, maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, federally they can go in or whatnot, but they did take her. Now, She explains that Rosenda wandered off. So what I'm wondering is, did she wander off? Her mom's at work. 
Sissy said she was at a friend's house. So maybe she wandered off and someone called. And so they came and they got her. And then from there, she wasn't given back for a long time. Oh, okay. And that would... That kind of makes sense. Yeah, that would explain more, I think, why also the other two weren't taken. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, like, this little kid is out here. Like, someone come get her, maybe? Maybe it was even that neighbor who went up to her and was like, (laughs) someone came and got your kid. I called. I don't know. Uh, That would make me mad as the mom. But, I mean... There, I, I'm an advocate for people like kids being protected by child protective services, obviously, when it's needed and all of that. Just like I said, the system's not perfect. And like this scenario seems a little like not the way to do it, even if she did need to be taken. Like you shouldn't probably just take a kid off the street. Like that was probably traumatizing <laughs> for her. Well, get a hold of the parents and let them know. So they yeah. don't call the cops. Right. So, I mentioned that Rosenda was very close with her mom. So, this obviously had to have been horrifying. And, like, for Rosenda specifically, like, being ripped away from her siblings and her mom that she knew and she loved. And Sissy remembers watching her mom fight hard for the next four years before before finally being able to bring Rosenda home. Now, there were multiple times through that four years that Sissy would, not Sissy, that Sissy said Rosenda would try to run home and that she would even see her family out and about and they would actually bring her home. But then she was, of course, ultimately taken away again because they didn't have custody of her at Mm -hmm. this time. So, you know, they saw her around. It sounds like she wasn't far from home. That would be hard, like especially for Rosent. Like I'm thinking of the six year old specifically. So did they give a reason on why DCFS or Child Protective took her? Sissy in her interview doesn't say specifically, but I'd assume, like I said, it has to do with her wandering off. But then her being gone for the next four years. Yeah, that, that seems like a long. Yeah. So I'm I'm time. assuming that probably ties into like the alcohol and drugs and violence that she said they were seeing in their home. So but then you have other kids there. Yeah, well. <laughs> that's what's really weird, right? So is that she was if taken. that stuff was happening in the home, you think the other kids would be, be taken. taken, removed out as well yeah. for their safety. But if, they weren't. If they were worried about Rosenda's safety. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a weird story. It really is. And she said that that was really confusing for her and her brother. She, she said, like, specifically, it was always really confusing for us, wondering why we were left and she was taken. Hmm. Like, which it would be. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. Maybe she, like, it's just, like, your mind can go wild, right? So maybe it's, like, maybe she got sexually abused, just her. Yeah. And so. Or something. You like, know. There's, I'm sure there's more background to it because four years is a very long time. But, yeah. and Or maybe she just got physically abused. Mm-hmm. Like, just her. Like, I know. Some parents focus on one child. Yeah. But then you said that her and her mom were that super they're really close. close. Yeah. <laughs> and they still were like when she was an adult. Oh. So I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it is really strange the way it happened and that it was only her. And it's sad because it, it does, Sissy goes on to explain that it does seem like it affected her being bounced around in foster care. Which, like I said, if a kid's in danger, I I don't know, it's a hard line. Because it's like, if they're in danger, you do want to take them. It is also traumatizing to take a kid from their family. Especially Mm -hmm. when her brothers and sisters are left back there. So her family's living, continuing to live, and she's gone in foster homes, which you always hope will be better, but Really confusing for a 6 to 10 year old. Yes. Like, so confusing. And... Through those years of bouncing foster home to foster home and longing to be with her family, Rosenda did experience trauma at a young age that stayed with her as she came into adulthood. So she was physically abused and likely also sexually abused. She made these comments to Sissy, but usually wouldn't get too deep into it, explaining that it was too hurtful to discuss. So her sister Sissy thinks that In her heart, she said she feels that she was likely sexually abused. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, some of those signs came out after she returned back to their home. So like I said, foster care can be super hard on a child, let alone the way that she was taking, like, taken. Wait, so you're saying this happened to her, like, in her foster experience or just yes. sometime in her childhood? No, in her foster experience. Oh. I know. She was physically abused in foster care and sissy feels in her heart like likely sexually abused due to what she what rosenda told her about her foster homes okay and i was thinking like hey i was like right. look, i was yeah <laughs> like she was yeah i don't i don't know that she was abused in her childhood home because that sissy never says that it she talks about how their family was like really loving and stuff they may have just had like these substance abuse issues so Estelle, their mom, like I said earlier, she lived with her sister Della at one point, and Sissy explains that they raised their children together. Sissy, Christopher, and Rosenda spent a lot of time with their aunt Della, and her and Estelle were like best friends. They really supported each other. And then when Rosenda was young, she got pregnant with her first daughter, Carmen. And this forced her to grow up quickly, but she took up motherhood like a champ and loved her daughter more than anything. And then as she had more kids, that love spread to them. That's one of the things Sissy was the most proud of, the incredible mother that Rosenda became, regardless of her childhood. Now, she had grown up in a family who they explained had a strong sense of looking out for each other, and she always kept that quality, making sure to look out for her kids, her family, and her friends. And after Carmen, Rosenda had her son Isaiah and then another son Miguel before having her youngest, which was a daughter who she named Estelle. And all of her kids have Rosenda's beautiful smile and they resemble their mom in so many ways. They have taken on many of her great qualities, such as her kind heart and always making sure to have respect for others. So real quick, like I said, I'm going to get into the geography around this area that Sissy and Rosenda lived and what it was slightly confusing to me, but I tried to figure it out. So it seems that Yakima County, which is spelled Y-A-K-I-M-A, is a county in Washington consisting of multiple cities and towns, including Topanish and Wapato, which this is where Sissy's home is. And the largest city in Yakima County is Yakima. Now, the county is named after the Yakima tribe of Native Americans. However, the reservation had the same spelling as the county until 1994. But in 1994, the reservation name was officially changed to Yakima, Y-A-K-A-M-A to reflect the native pronunciation because back in 1855, there was the Yakima War where the tribe was forced to cede a large part of their land and then move out onto this present reservation that they have. So in the 1855 treaty with the Yakima, the tribe's spelling was with the A, but somehow it had come to be spelled differently over time. Thankfully, in 1994, they were able to get their original name back, and I think that can sort of help you differentiate between the areas of Yakima City and the Yakima Reservation, as the city is still spelled with an I. Now, this info also sort of comes back around full circle in this episode, and Wapato and Topanish are in Yakima County, but they also seem to maybe lie just within the edge of the reservation and the reservation is south of yakima city did you figure out how to say all these names before <laughs> i am saying them how sissy said them in her interview oh, so i okay. think i was so. like wow that's impressive because <laughs> i always suck at like repeating names but i was like okay this like i need to probably say these things right so i was going to look each and every one up like individually but then I was able to find that interview with Sissy, and I'm just taking it how she said it, which I'm assuming she says it correctly since she was born there. <laughs> She's a part of the tribe, all of that fun stuff. So hopefully the background of like that area can help you process the information in this case. 
So on September 30th of 2018, Rosenda is getting ready for a fun night out and she's excited. She's headed to the Legends Casino for a little gambling and drinks with some friends. And the casino is nearby in Topanish, very close to where she's living with Sissy in Wapato. And Rosenda, she has her own car, but she decides this night to be picked up by a friend. So she leaves her car parked there at Sissy's when she says her see you laters and walks outside, jumping into her friend's car for their short ride over to Topanish. The night passes by with no worries, and when Rosenda isn't home in the morning, there is a question about where she might be. At first, you try to give it an excuse, like maybe she stayed the night at a friend's. But as the days pass, Rosenda was not returning calls, she wasn't showing back up, and her family obviously starts to get worried. And then on October 2nd, three days after Sissy last saw Rosenda, Sissy receives an ominous text telling her that Rosenda was shot, that she's hurt, and that Sissy needs to find her. So obviously that takes her worry to like a whole new level, and it initiates that spark to file a missing persons report. And what what's crazy is like her getting this text and everything like none of that information is in articles like all of that came from sissy's interview where she's explaining it herself and it just like makes so much more sense in the whole case a lot of the things she says so she got a random text from like a random number or from rosenda's phone a random text from a random number saying that rosenda was shot wow And that she needs to find her, which obviously when she already didn't come home for a few days, you're like, okay, like I need to go do something about this. So Sissy and Rosenda's daughter, Carmen, immediately report Rosenda Sophia Strong as a missing person to the Yakima Nation Tribal Police. But the response they were given was heartless when they're told, you know what, I'm sorry, but... Your family's criminal history seems to be pointing us to the thought that she's most likely just partying. She's probably high somewhere and just lost track of time. But we know it always goes this way. The family members know their loved ones best. Sissy knew her sister more than anyone. They had this deep bond, a strong connection where they could honestly feel when the other was having a bad day or was sad. This sort of sisterly intuition. So she fights back, yelling at the officer, telling him that there's no way. She isn't even answering her phone. She never loses touch with her daughter. And she's been gone for three days now. And she asks this officer to go look for Rosenda in a few locations that she has come up with. And one of these locations was in Wapato, Washington, in this party house where some of Rosenda's friends hung around. But when the officer, oh, no, the officer, he wouldn't even check. Because he figured if she wanted to be at home and she wanted to be back or if she was hanging out at that party house, then she was making the choice to be there. Now, even with that text, a text that Rosenda was shot, the officer pushes it to the side, blowing it off, saying that whoever texted Sissy must have just been trying to scare her. Is this the nation or the... Um, yes. Reservation police? Yes. Okay. The Yakima Tribal Police. Yes. And they, you know, they just think, you know what? She, you know, she might have this history clearly of, you know, whatnot because they say her criminal history and like that leads us to think this. And so they just assume she's partying. She'll come back when she comes back. And it's just like it's not the right way. To do it, you know, like people know their family. It is hard, I'm sure, because they get a lot of just in general, police get a lot of missing persons reports. But like, there's also a text that says she She was was shot. shot. Yeah, like, I don't think people are just trying to scare you. Yeah, who would? (laughs) Sissy said she never gets texts like this because, again, who gets texts like that? It'd be alarming to anyone, and I think it's pretty clear it wouldn't be a funny joke. No one... I would never text someone that no. as a joke or trying trying to scare someone. Yeah, and I've heard that the um, tribal police cover, like, a lot of acreage. Yes. And so I think they're spread pretty thin. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And so I think a lot of, um, like, women from 
reservations do go missing and many are not found. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because the Yakima Reservation is really large. And ha- have you seen, you've seen Wind River? Yes, oh my Wind God. River. I even think we've mentioned it on here before. Maybe <laughs> that show yes, just sticks in your mind that once show you see it. is horrifying. And that was off a reservation. And that's one, that was a story, I think, from a reservation that I've read now has has had a ton of missing and murdered native women and it was what in wyoming Uh which is right here by us i i've got to find out what reservation that was but i've read about it a bunch since okay and women do go missing all the time there and that yeah if you want like a good movie to put that in perspective for you that that is a good good one. one yeah and it's sad so yeah i i really like that movie but that makes sense with the investigation like them being spread so thin because it is a large it i read online that it was a ton of acreage and covered a big area so yeah and it's just sad because you know it sounds like there were some judgments about her and the family yeah and that happens all the time yeah which it's like we need to just take people's disappearances seriously whether they have done drugs whether they've been to jail whether they you know are upstanding citizens like it doesn't matter which one of those they are still important exactly and like when someone presents a text to you please go investigate like just make sure you investigate (laughs) it a they're not gonna make it up no a just make sure the person's fine if they're fine then it's like great that some weirdo texted that because they're weird and that's not funny but whatever and then when you investigate it you also don't end up looking like the dummy that this officer now looks like to me because <laughs> it's like well why didn't you go like just do something about that and sissy was pretty upset about that and we'll kind of get into it a little bit later too because she has some feelings surrounding how it was handled in those first few days mm-hmm. now rosenda she does have older siblings like i said outside of sissy and christopher siblings on her dad's side And these siblings have no relation to Sissy and Christopher, so it's not like those two heard from them often. And it's around this time that Rosenda's older sister calls Sissy, and she starts asking if she had seen Rosenda, before saying that they need to talk. And before Sissy even knows it, this sister shows up, and she's pale, she's shaking, when she tells Sissy that a man had come by her house, and when he starts to talk about Rosenda... This sister is like, you know what? You should go visit her other sister, Sissy. She's a lot closer with Sissy. But he says no. He isn't going to go and talk to her because he says that Rosenda told him she was his sister. Okay, she is a sister, so she lets him go on when he tells her that he was with Rosenda the other night and there were other people there who were shooting at her like it was a game. He then explains that those people are crazy, that he had to leave, and that he will never go back. He says he barely got out himself, but that he had to let Rosenda's family know that it that she isn't okay, and that those people are torturing her. Oh my gosh. Crazy, right? Which, again, that was not did, found in an article. That did was he in the go interview. to the police? So or you just went to the sister first. Went to the sister first. Yeah. Like, go to the police. I know. I'm kind of like, even though th- this isn't the same situation, but I was thinking about our story last week and how, like, no one would go forward to the police even if they knew someone, and that's how the family felt. And, like, with that street code or whatever, which it sounds similar to this where so many people actually do seem to know what happened, but no one wants to talk to the police Mm. this might be more of a case where they were doing criminal things drugs more and they don't want to get in trouble Mm -hmm. so instead they're protecting themselves and not really helping in rosenda's disappearance now this guy he says that he had gone off with a couple of these people to go and get gas and when he enters inside the gas station alone He sees his opportunity to escape. So he asks the gas station attendant if he would be able to exit out the back of the building. And with that, he was able to get out of the situation. It sounds to me that this guy is has said that 
Rosanna was alive when he left, like once he got out. That's why he said they're torturing her. She's not safe and mm-hmm. goes to her sister. So and did he tell her where she was being held at? I think she did. They didn't say specifically like Sissy in her interview doesn't say specific names, but I think she knows a little more than she, you know, it let be public. Mm-hmm. And she does say that he did talk with the FBI and that she hopes as they dig into the case that they will be able to use him to determine exactly who was there. Because okay. like I said, lots of people know, it seems. So I'm not sure if that's going to to happen this was in 2018 this is 2022 that would be nice and sissy thinks like whether they were actively hurting rosenda or if they were just bystanders they do deserve to be punished which i agree whoever was there didn't say anything whoever was there wasn't talking no one has willingly brought forward information except for this man so it's just that was wild for me to hear because when i was researching through the articles it doesn't say that like you don't hear that information and that like these things that her family was being told and at this point I mean she's just missing so all of it could just be rumors at this point but things start to make a lot of sense so this this story specifically clearly coincides with the text sissy received about Rosenda being shot and all of that amplifies the worry they have for her so they hit the ground searching themselves. Remember, at first, the police were not overly interested in helping. So her family puts up flyers, they ask around, they do what they can. And Rosenda's daughter, Carmen, and Sissy, they seek support to help in their search for Rosenda. It was May of 2019, eight months since Rosenda had been missing, that they painted their faces as they held a poster of Rosenda's pictures with a quote, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. And just before this, Sissy and their cousin Roxanne White had held a balloon release on Tuesday, April 16th at 2019 at Yakamart, which is on 111 Fort Road in Topanish, Washington. Rosenda had been born on the same day 32 years earlier on April 16th, 1987, and they wanted to celebrate this 32nd birthday even though Rosenda was not home with them. Through all of this, she remained missing. For 275 days, her family, her kids, and those who loved her were searching for her, trying to find answers. Money was raised for an award, but it just didn't do the trick. So the guy that came forward to the sister must have not told them, like, where? Yeah, because he left and said she was still alive, being tortured. So he does like, where? I know. I guess she, that's they not helpful. Did, yeah, I guess they didn't. I don't know. Because they would have gone and found her, right? Well, they didn't say specifically actually when this guy came to them. So she reported Sissy missing after she got that text on October 2nd. Mm-hmm. It's just around this time that she gets a call from R- Rosenda's older sister. So... He might have come, you know, a bit after where she wouldn't have been alive then. So even if she did say the home, which Sissy did tell the police certain locations, which she does say she told them a specific home in Wapato that was a party house, Mm. but they wouldn't go look for her. So I think the tribal police. Yes. (laughs) It gets confusing because it does. can, Can they go? If it's not, yeah, like because is that on city the map, in the reservation on the map, Wapato seems to lay right within the boundary of the reservation, but it also says it's in Yakima County. So there's the Yakima reservation, and then there's Yakima County, which is actually just a county in Washington, right next to it all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if yeah. they can. I don't. I don't know how right there works because it right it, i couldn't tell if it was kind of in the reservation can a city or like area be in a reservation but be a part of the county like in idaho there's fort hall but i think fort hall is the whole indian reservation right is that like 
but is Fort Hall a city, like a town? Does it show on the map? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. I've never I looked. don't know where the boundaries are. Does it overlap with Pocatello or Blackfoot? I don't know. Because it's all right there next to each other, but it's hard to like determine where exactly, I guess, who would have jurisdiction where. Mm-hmm. And if anything overlaps. So it does seem like the house that Sissy may have had in mind to go look at possibly was like the area that this guy had said so he might have told them she is a little more vague about it probably because she's living there right now with these people Mm -hmm. as the investigation goes and probably i would assume the fbi has also said not to be too public with specific information because that always helps in a case to not be like extremely public so she you know got into it and whatnot but yeah so he did maybe actually tell them where it was but she just doesn't say specifically on here and all of these answers honestly they seem that they could have been answered by the many witnesses to whatever happened and although the rumors flew through the air some even make their way to sissy none of those people would actually come forward and none of them would actually give incriminating information. So did these any of the sisters know this guy or was he just a random stranger? So I'm not sure about this guy specifically, but some people who would talk to Sissy through this time, she does say some of them are Rosenda's friends and then some of them weren't. Okay. So one chilling rumor that was that made its way to Sissy was that she needed to be looking for a fridge type appliance, somewhat of like a stand up freezer. One pe- person even said to Sissy himself, that's what she was in. That's what I saw her in. Now, that shocks Sissy. It's yeah, because like, why would she be in a freezer besides she's dead? Exactly. And that's pretty much what this guy is telling Sissy as they he search remembers for Rosender. Seeing her in there? Yes. Did he call the cops? Nope. <laughs> that's what she was in. That's what I saw her in. And Sissy does ask him. She says, she said to him, like, why are you telling me this? Please tell the police this. Why won't you tell the police? Because it coming from me means nothing to them. Mm-mm. So she felt like he needed to bring it forward. She did bring it to the police herself when he wouldn't. Mm. But she's like, you need to actually say this to the police. Now, he, she said she could tell he was high on something and was really strung out. So he refused to go to the police and come forward with the information. I would assume they even probably talked to him. But again... All he has to say is, oh, I, I never said that. Mm-hmm. And that's why she wanted him specifically to go forward and say that. Because, why, like, that's Or do you even trust him? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I was high. Yeah. And at this point, she really doesn't know. Because, you know, is it people making up rumors? We know that happens in these cases. So, you know, it's either something really... Like, they're correct about something or they are just being those type of, like, annoying and rude and, like, disgusting people that make something up and try to, you know, mess with a family or, like, give false information. And they don't know. So they just continue the search for Rosenda. And this is actually not the only person who told Sissy of a location and who did bring information to her, which is crazy to me. That she's getting all this information, Mm -hmm. but like nothing's really happening. So she tells Agnes on that YouTube video I mentioned earlier that none of these people ran in the same circle, yet their stories were all lining up. So this kind of started to lead her to wonder if what they were saying was in fact true. Mm -hmm. But again, she doesn't know. Because just random people that weren't all friends were kind of coming up with the same Yes. Story. They had to have been somewhat acquaintances or met at that bar or whatever. Clearly. Yeah. So Sissy said, quote, when my sister went missing, I think that was the most I ever cried because I couldn't find her. It's a roller coaster that you want to get off of. It's not fun. End quote. Now, soon the FBI did get involved working with the Yakima Nation Tribal Police. And I believe when a crime like this is committed, like I said, 
on a reservation, the FBI gets involved because I read the federal jurisdiction is shared concurrently with the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Mm -hmm. So that's how they kind of work together. However, I don't think the system is perfect. And that's kind of a big push in the movement for missing and murdered indigenous people that we just need like a better system for them to all work together. So one of the large FBI searches was done during February of 2019 and nothing is found. There is no sign of Rosenda. For 10 months, her family struggles for answers all while Sissy has these inklings of information that may or may not be true. But again, the stories are lining up. How were this many people saying the same thing? That Rosenda had been shot, that she was last seen in some sort of freezer. It was killing Sissy to not know if these things were true, to not know if Rosenda was coming home alive or coming home to be laid to rest. And it's on July 4th, 2019, that Sissy is watching the news, and it's reported that there were human remains found in an abandoned freezer. Oh, so where in a house on the reservation on the reservation, just the freezer randomly dumped. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. So on July 4th, on July 4th, they find this. Yeah. And her heart obviously like sinks because even without that confirmation, it was Rosenda. She knew in her gut after hearing all those rumors Like, if you're hearing for 10 months while you're searching for your missing sister that she's probably, or people saw her in in a a freezer, freezer. yeah, and then there's human remains found in a freezer, it all kind of just, like, tied together for her, which that's crazy. So it it ended up being her? Yeah. (laughs) That, is Uh. that not wild that people were telling her, like, so many people, so that just like blows my mind that so many people clearly knew what happened yet nothing was quite done mm-hmm. weird like crazy so they also reported on the news that two bullet casings were found at the scene again this all confirmed those rumors and for sissy it also confirmed for her who was involved at least some of them these things she had been told to the things that had been told to Sissy by some of Rosenda's own friends, as well as people she didn't know. Like, she knew now that those people were, in fact, there. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, there were two bullet casings found. Mm-hmm. So, it led me to think, did she die before they put her in the freezer and then shoot her there? Or did they take, they didn't take her out there, right? Yeah, I wonder if those were maybe in the freezer with her. Mm. Maybe. And she said that was just reported on the news. She even said later, she kind of talks, you'll see where she's talking to an FBI agent and she's asking, like, is that true? Because that, like, confirms everything I've been told. And the FBI agent couldn't tell her for sure if the news was reporting, like, everything correctly. But Sissy does think they were. And, yeah, I wonder... I. I very much think she was, in fact, dead before being put in the freezer. And maybe those just accidentally got in there with her. From the Mm. first guy's story, it sounds like they were... He said they were shooting at her like it was a game. So that would lead me to believe she was even maybe shot at multiple times. So I guess having two bullet casings show up, it could have just been, like, carelessness. Clearly, they... These aren't like mastermind criminals. Mm -hmm. So. But they don't think it happened right in that spot. No. I think it's believed that this freezer was dumped in this area to get rid of the remains. And it was a really heartbreaking reality to realize that all these people could have put a stop to the violence perpetrated on Rosenda that night. All of these people could have put an end to the 10 months of heart-wrenching searching, but none of them did. Sissy was immediately angry with the police who she made that missing person's report with. She feels that if they would have taken her seriously the first day she reported Rosenda missing, if they would have gone to the locations that Sissy was asking them to check, she thinks they may have been able to save Rosenda's life. Remember her sisterly intuition. 
Well, Sissy said that day after she reported Rosenda missing on October 2nd, she wakes up in the middle of the night with this horrible feeling that her sister was gone. And she hasn't been able to feel her sister's presence or energy since that day. It's Sissy's belief that Rosenda died that night on October 3rd, 2018, after being stuck in a home surrounded by evil people who may have been torturing her, who were possibly shooting at her. And Sissy has spoken up against them, saying, quote, You know who you are. You're still walking the streets and my sister goes missing. And the last ones she was around were her friends. You were the last to see her alive. You were the last to hear her cries. And you were the last to see her pain end quote which was sad Mm -hmm. so this fbi agent um she she talks with an fbi agent and her name's jennifer and it's on this day that she watches the news and jennifer was out of town when sissy calls her asking if the remains were rosenda and she explains that the remains found in the were found in her freezer and that she already told them the fbi that People were telling her Rosenda would be in a freezer. And Jennifer replies with, I know. So on that July 4th day at 4.20 p.m., the Yakima County Sheriff's Detectives, the Yakima Nation Tribal Police, and the FBI were called to the 6400 block of U.S. Highway 97 after two homeless men stumbled upon an abandoned deep freezer. They had an inkling about what they may find due to the smell in this area. And they thought they should check it out, and thankfully they did, because inside we know there are human remains found. Finally bringing an end to the long search of missing Rosenda Sophia Strong. Sissy says this freezer was only a few hundred yards outside of the area that the FBI had searched back in February, five months earlier. She was right there in the area they were searching. She was just like barely out of reach of Mm. where that search hit. Yeah. She said just a few hundred yards. So once Rosenda was found, Sissy had a dream where Rosenda comes to her to tell her what happened, to talk. But she was speaking fluent Spanish in the dream, so Sissy actually couldn't understand the dream. But she was thankful for it. Sissy didn't speak Spanish, although her and Rosenda are both part Hispanic as well as native. But Rosenda always had spoken Spanish well. She kind of laughed when she recounted this dream and how she couldn't understand it, but it just made her happy to feel like she was close to her sister that night. And then a little more than a week later, on July 12, 2019, dental records confirm what Rosenda's family already feared, that the remains were in fact those of Rosenda Sophia Strong. Yakima County Coroner Jim Curtis said, quote, The Yakima County Coroner's Office and our staff offer our condolences to the family and friends of Rosenda Strong. Rosenda's remains were found in a freezer on July 4th in the Topanish area. The remains were positively identified with the use of dental records. Rosenda's death has been classified as a homicide. The cause of death remains under investigation. End quote. So, two days after her remains are identified, Rosenda's family holds a vigil on July 14th to remember and honor her life. Sissy was a ball of emotions, devastated at the reality that her sister is in fact gone. Yet she felt peace about being able to bring Rosenda home and lay her to rest next to their mother Estelle. Their mom had passed away before Rosenda went missing, and remember those two were very close. Quote, My baby sister Rosenda Strong's remains were found in a freezer. Yes, it has been confirmed to me this morning from the FBI agent working on her case. We have her back, not the way we wanted, but we can after 275 days of looking and wondering where our baby sister, mother, aunt, cousin, and friend is. She's coming home to our mother. Now we can finally lay my sister to rest. End quote. And I found a Facebook post made by Rosenda on August 5th, 2018, just a couple months before she went missing, where she's talking about how much she is missing her mom. The family had decided that they would bury Rosenda next to Estelle in Oregon on the Umatilla Indian Reservation. But Sissy didn't get to bring her sister home right away. The cause of death was still unknown, and police may need to keep some remains in case this case ever goes to trial. And this was a hard pill to swallow, that they wouldn't get her back yet. 
but says he remains hopeful that her remains could lead investigators to more answers in this case and maybe justice. The sheriff's spokesman, Casey Schilperort, had said that Rosenda's death was the 18th homicide reported in Yakima County that year. Yakima County and the Yakima Reservation have an outstanding amount of missing and murdered cases. According to the Seattle Times, Yakima County recorded its highest homicide total in 38 years in 2018. The year before Rosenda's death is classified a homicide, but it's the year she was in fact murdered and the year she was reported missing. Police were able to close or make arrests in almost 70% of the cases, which is great, but officials are trying to figure out why the numbers spiked as they examined the crime statistics. 19 people were reported killed in the city of Yakima in 2018 with all but three of them considered homicides by Yakima police. And the other three, or at least two, I read on one, like, they were killed by knife, but it was in self-defense during a home invasion. So it wasn't mm. homicide, like murder. And Yakima County had 32 homicides, including the 19 violent deaths in Yakima, and the FBI was investigating three homicides within the boundaries of the Yakima Nation Reservation. So, like, they just have a lot they of, do. Like, murders and stuff going on. Like, Yakima specifically. And the Yakima yeah. Reservation it seems if to be the FBI sees that, I wonder if they give them more help or... Yeah. And maybe that is why they, you know, were sort of quickly, like, obviously not in the first few days because... It wasn't taken seriously in the first few days, but it seems after that they the FBI was quickly involved. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe it is because it is so high and that year was outstanding. I mean, they said there were 18, 18th. So, Rosenda was found, like, was classified as being a homicide. Her death was classified as a homicide in July. And it says that it was the 18th homicide reported in Yakima County that year by July. Yeah. So that seems like quite a few. Yes. It gets really. I mean, I don't know what the population is there, if it's super heavy, but I doubt that it is. It's not crazy heavy. And then like, yeah, Yakima County had 32 homicides. Those 19 homicides, those 19 people that were reported killed were just in Yakima City. And then all the other ones of those 32 are throughout. So at the reservation, the cities nearby. And it's in October of 2020, two years after the disappearance, that Rosenda's family, they drive through Topanish and Wapato after painting words on their cars and attaching posters with photos of Rosenda and other missing Native people. They drive slowly through the streets, including Herschel Road, which is where they grew up. Their cousin, Roxanne, who has become a huge advocate for missing and murdered indigenous people, said, quote, When we were little, we came here. We just wanted to stop by here because this is where they were all growing up together, end quote. Sissy is right there with Roxanne. She said her healing has made her a stronger advocate for her community. Quote, what I'm trying to do today is bring awareness to our community. We have an epidemic of missing women and men, girls and boys. We need to let people know that they are missing and that they need to be found. MMIW needs to end, end quote. And the investigation into Rosenda's death has not brought forward any arrests, and Sissy is still advocating for justice in her sister's case. Through all of this pain, they were able to bring Rosenda home, though. On April 8, 2022, Sissy posted a Facebook post that Rosenda Strong was finally home with their mama, Estelle L. Strong, in Pendleton, Oregon. She was laid there to rest peacefully on September 25, 2021. And it is a peaceful feeling for her family to know that Rosenda and her mom are reunited and it's the only sliver of light that her family can see in this tragedy. And there's a spot in Sissy's home dedicated to Rosenda full of pictures and memories. She has posted videos of a wooden cross that reads, Say my name, Rosenda Sophia Strong. No more stolen sisters. 
and know something, say something. There's a picture of Rosenda, and underneath it, it says MMIP Umatilla Yakima 10-2-2018, which is the day she was reported missing, and 7-4-2019 remains found. Rosenda's 35th birthday was on April 16th, 2022, less than a week before this episode will be released. Sissy, Roxanne, Carmen, and all those who loved Rosenda continue advocating for her as well as other missing and murdered indigenous people. They celebrate Rosenda every year on her birthday and they hold events to bring awareness to the alarming statistics in the cases of missing and murdered native women and people. This May 7th, in just a few weeks, they are holding an event for National for National Day of Awareness and Healing for MMIWP and families at Othello Park, Seattle, Washington from 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And they can help you bring light to your loved one's case. Just email them at contactmmip.families at gmail.com. They're fighting to lower that statistic, the statistic that in some counties, Native American women are killed at a rate 10 times the national average. An estimate from the National Crime Information Center shows 5,712 reports of missing Native American women in 2016 alone. According to Crosscut.com, a report by the Washington State Patrol documented 20 cases of missing indigenous women in Yakima County, the most in the state. Quote, on the Yakima Reservation, the phrase be careful is often repeated to Yakima women. Still many outside of the reservation, oh wait, still many outside of the Yakima Nation are unaware of the long history of violence against Native women, which is why it's been called a silent crisis, end quote. Now, the person writing this article actually recalls being a college student in the early 2000s when she spoke up about concern with the number of women who were missing or murdered. Years later, she actually comes across a classmate who repeated what she said while laughing about it in disbelief. She said, quote, it was confusing because he and I got along and I was not laughing with him. My last words to him were, but it's real, end quote. And she goes on to explain that he had no context to missing Yakima women because the community did not provide any information about them. In a bill passed by the legislature, there is a statement, quote, Many of these crimes, however, are often unsolved or even unreported because there are also very high rates of disappearance for Native American women, end quote. The Washington State Patrol released that 36-page report documenting barriers to collecting information about missing Native American women and highlighting the need for federal, tribal, state, and local authorities to collaborate more to find solutions. Mm-hmm. Quote, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like the goal here. And they say, quote, Native American women face unique challenges with regard to safety and success. End quote. Yeah, I just keep thinking, do something. Like, yeah. you know it's a problem. Like, Fix it. Yeah. Like, let's just. I mean, that sounds better. easy, but. I know. I know there's a lot of rules with the reservations and. Yes. I think there is. Um, I think it's a big, like, thing between finding a solution to all of them communicating, mm-hmm. like they said. And then there's actually another quote I have from a woman who says, quote, our societies were never healed. There was no happy place for us to go where we could speak our own language. About 65% of everything we see is steeped in our own painful past. I'm real strong on the fact that if we don't look at what we're doing wrong, we will not heal, end quote. So I think it's like a mix of like the reservation coming together, like even finding people on the reservation some help like if they're struggling and if they're in a violent situation like I think she's kind of saying the people like the Native Americans weren't able to heal so there's people still living on the reservation have these struggles which then leads to more right and they probably don't want people coming in to help them that hurt them in the past right yeah so it's like this big mix of like how we can help them and not step on their toes and Mm -hmm. then also 
how like legally and like in the legislature we can actually make a difference so um that report it states that there are 30 that 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 So that report, it states that there are 56 missing Native women in Washington at the time of the report. 20 of those, again, are in Yakima County. And like I said earlier, that was the highest in the state. So Native American women, they're already in more danger in general, nationwide, even in Canada, I've heard. And Alaska as well, which is in our nation, but of course, far away from the actual lower 48 states. And and are they in more danger because, you know, nothing happens to the person, the perpetrator? I think so. Like, I think it's, um, like we were saying, it's that mixture of, like, the people on the reservation may need some healing and some help with any struggles that they may have. And then the actual law not doing anything about it. So it's like this, just this vicious cycle of, like, trauma, nothing's done trauma nothing's done and then you know and and even if there are i read something else where if it's not violence happening you know within the reservation specifically like obviously these women are also often killed by people outside of the reservation or you know Mm -hmm. people that are not native american and i read there that then it is hard for the reservation itself to then prosecute those people Mm -hmm. so it sounded like the reservation police can make an arrest when it's someone outside however they have a really hard time prosecuting so again that just adds into the mixture of it all and it's like yeah they i i don't see how they could prosecute really someone when they only have jurisdiction over the reservation so yeah they're just trying to find like a better way to get it all together and um that's really good i hope they can do it I know. I hope so, too, because it's really crazy that those the numbers are so high. I mean, 10 times the national average. And then in Yakima, those odds are even higher. Mm-hmm. It's really wild. And many believe that this actually ties back to the first reports of missing and murdered indigenous women from Yakima. And these reports were in 1855. So this is an event that tied into the Yakima War. In 1855, a woman was at her home with her daughter and her baby while her husband was away. There were miners traveling through the Wenis Valley in September of 1855, and they were headed to the Colville Goldfields when they stopped at this woman's home, raping her and murdering her, her daughter and her baby. Her name was lost throughout the decades, but her husband had taken action. Alec Salskin is recorded in 1967 recounting these deaths and how they were a part of the historical account of the Yakima War that lasted from 1855 to 1858. Remember, I talked about this war slightly in the very beginning of this episode, and it is reported that in the more than 150 years that have gone by since that war, Native women and girls have been murdered or gone missing as a part of this national epidemic and women of the Yakima nation have tied their fear of experiencing violence or even reporting violence back to that very first incident of a woman in Yakima nation being murdered and her death wasn't taking taken seriously nothing was done and it's just you know they feel like it's just kind of been a snowball effect ever since a pattern that has continued on Hopefully, with awareness and the push from the public, we can bring these statistics down so that Native women and people can live their lives feeling safer. Rosenda deserved far more than to be put into a freezer and abandoned for 10 months. She was an amazing mother whose kids have struggled to live without her. They miss her. And her sister, Sissy, will never stop speaking up for her, as well as the many other missing and murdered indigenous people who deserve to stay in the public eye, who deserve justice. Sissy wants you to always remember to say her sister's name, Rosenda Sophia Strong.
guys for listening. This podcast is researched, written, hosted, and edited by me, Kayla Waters. Our co-host is Alicia Jenkins. Our palette cleanser giver is Charlie Waters. And all our music was created by Jaden Schultz, who you can find on Instagram at In Pajamas Music. I wanted to highlight today was that Seeding Sovereignty website where I found the interview they did with Sissy Reyes. It was an incredible interview. It gave so much more information to this case. It was truly, truly insightful. Sissy was great. Agnes, who was the interviewer, was great. So I wanted to kind of highlight them and let you know that you can donate to them. So if you visit seedingsovereignty.org, you will find this website and there's a button for donate now. Their MMIP fund on global giving helps family members like Sissy receive the support they need and deserve. So please consider making a tax deductible donation to them today. Please make sure to go visit our website, www.truecrimeexposedpodcast.com, and make sure to follow us on all our social media. We've got a Twitter, and it needs a little tender loving care, so go give us a follow there. We also have Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. You can find us on Facebook at True Crime Exposed Podcast, on TikTok at True Crime Exposed Podcast, on Instagram at True Crime Expod, True Crime EXPOD, and on Twitter at True Crime Exposed Podcast minus one E, True Crime XPOSED. And as always, if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five star review because that's going to help us grow our show as well as you guys sharing these episodes with your friends and family. Tell people what podcasts you love. Send them our way. We will be very thankful.